Hello, everyone, and welcome to this episode of the Monarch Ministries podcast. This is a pretty uh, special episode um, because today we are going to be finishing up the the series on the tools of the enemy. Um, with and we're, and we're going to end it on a pretty positive note. But before we get into into that um, tonight, I've taken the liberty to um, give y'all an invitation to kind of listen in and see what it's like. To, to be a member of Monarch Ministry. So tonight, um, before we give the, the sermon over um, absolute perfection that, that's coming up, we're going to um, have our, our regular devotional, um, as we do every night in Monarch Ministries. Um, and so we have you know several participants here tonight, and we're very excited to get into it. So everyone, we are in 2 Corinthians chapter 9 today. And then get all y'all unmuted there. All right, 2 Corinthians chapter 9. For as touching the ministering to the saints, it is superfluous for me to write to you. For I know the forwardness of your mind, for which I boast of you to them of Macedonia, that Achaia was ready a year ago, and your zeal hath provoked very many. Yet Yet have I sent the brethren, lest our boasting of you should be in vain. In this behalf... That, I, that as I said, ye may be ready. Lest happily if they of Macedonia come with me, and find you unprepared, we that we say not ye, should be ashamed in this same confident boasting. Therefore I thought it necessary to exhort the brethren that they would go before unto you, and make up beforehand your bounty, Wherefore, whereof ye had noticed before that the same might be ready as a matter of bounty, not as of covetousness. As, as of covetousness. But this I say, he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly, and he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. Every man according as he hath purposed in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that ye always having all sufficiency in all things may abound to every good work. As it is written, he hath dispersed abroad, he hath given to the poor, his righteousness remaineth forever. Now he that ministereth seed to the sower, both minister bread for your food, and multiply your seed sown, and increase the fruits of your righteousness, being enriched in everything to all bountifulness, which causeth through us thanksgiving to God. For the administration of the service not only supplieth the one of the saints, but is abundant also by many thanksgivings unto God. Whilst the experiment of this ministry, ministration, they glorify God for your professed subjugation unto the gospel of Christ and for your liberal distribution unto them and unto all men. And by their prayer for you, which long after you, and for the exceeding grace of God in you, thanks be unto God for his unspeakable gift. So this fits very much in context with um, the last chapter that we read, right? Where, where he was talking about, um, <clears throat> he was you know, giving them the example of the Church of Macedonia and, and telling them how... Um, you know, they themselves got right with God, and then they were able to minister, and now he's saying the Corinthian church, y'all are, are in a better place with God, and y'all have a good relationship with God, and now he, he's talking about giving, giving what you can do to the community, because their their question was, well, um, our, our Paul said before that they had this inclination, this desire to go out and reach people and be good, of good Christian service, but Paul said, hold up. And in his first letter, um, there there are some issues in the church. There's some sin that needs to be addressed. Um, there's some divisions that that are unnecessary. There's some um, love that needs to abound. There's some issues that y'all have to take care of before you 
you do these things. And so after taking care of those things, after coming to an understanding and um, um, getting right with, with what they had previously been wrong about and after listening and, and taking heed to, to Paul's letter and correcting those things that need to be corrected after their relationship with, with God was in tune and perfect as it ought to have been, um, now Paul says, okay, now you're able to um, come and and be this good ministry and, and have this good ministry and have this strong, bold outward reach towards other people. And now he's saying, you know, okay, here's how you do it. Verse 5, Therefore I thought it necessary to exhort the brethren that they would go before unto you and make up beforehand your bounty, whereof ye had noticed before that the same might be ready as a matter of bounty and not as of covetousness. But this I say, he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly, and he which sowing, soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. Every man according as he hath purposed in his heart, as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that ye, always having all sufficiency in all things, may abound to every good work. So God's saying here, or Paul is saying here, God is saying here, um, you're you're a you're a well-to-do church. You have these these bounties, and and you have these these things. And now, if your desire is to go and reach people and give of these things, give of the bounties that you have. Now, here it's speaking um, about you know money, about monetary. Um, surplus and things like that, and and that they ought to give financially. However, um, the the sentiment here isn't necessarily just monetary, right? <clears throat> um, you know, we we've talked about the the gifts that God gives to people. Some people have have the gift of of witnessing. Some people are able to go and talk to people. Some people are good teachers. Some people are good comforters, and some people are good givers. Some people have the ability to um, raise funds and divided among people and they're good bookkeepers and they're good at giving out things and budgeting and 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 um understanding the these sorts of things um and, and some people are, are exceptional givers and so you know god doesn't command all of us to be exceptional givers god doesn't command all of us to be good at at all these things however he does command us to be um numbered among those who who give cheerfully and without begrudging see um all of us do have the ability to to give a portion of our money to our church or to um, um, other Christian organizations if, if you aren't a member of a church at the moment. And, and so um, it, it's a good thing to do, um, and, and it's certainly important and, and scriptural. Um, but this, this specific passage, it... it it's it's telling us the sentiment here is is give that which you abound in and and give that to God give that to God's people and let that be your your ministry and do it with joy with not grudgingly or of necessity don't do it because it's it's required of you <coughs> but do it because of the the love and, and joy and and sub subjection you have towards God Verse 9, as is written, he hath dispersed abroad, he hath given to the poor, his righteousness remaineth forever. Now he that ministereth seed to the sower, both minister bread for your food, and multiply your seed sown, and increase the fruits of your righteousness, being enriched in everything to all bountifulness, which causeth through us thanksgiving God. Now here he's saying, you know, when you give your gift, um, whether it be money or food or hockey pucks, um, 
allow those things to, you know, multiply, allow them to be bountiful, work for yourself, um, be a good producer, do do things that are good for you, and, and continuing these things, you know, don't um, give and then give so much that you can't continue giving, um, but, but give enough to where you can continue to work for yourself and, and allow God to give you the increase and allow God to work in your life to promote this this giving and, and, and continue to do it and continue to provide for yourself and for your family. For the administration of this service not only supplieth the want of the saints, but is abundant also by many thanksgivings unto God. Whilst the experiment of this ministration, they glorify God for your professed subject, subjection unto the gospel of Christ and for your liberal distribution unto them and unto all men. And by their prayer for you, which long after you for the exceeding grace of God in you, thanks be unto God for his unspeakable gift. And so he's saying, you know, the, the purpose of this, um, the purpose of gifting, the purpose of, of giving these these goods to the church and this this money and all these things is so that we can distribute it among you. It, it, it's so that we can help each other out. Again, is that that cycle when, when you're hurting, um, let us help you. And then when, when I'm hurting, you can help me. And so it, it's for the... Verse, verse 13, the liberal distribution unto them and unto all men, so that the church can be the shining light of, of love and help and, and, and peace and charity unto all people, so that the, the world can not only see our witness and our testimony, um, but can prosper from it, and we can be better witnesses of God's unspeakable gift. Thanks be unto God for his unspeakable gift, the, the perfect salvation that he gives to us. See, when we are, are good givers, when we give unto God as he has provided to us, when we... Um, follow his commands here, his gospel message um, is is abounded. And, and, and again, giving is only the first part of it, but the distribution, liberal distribution unto them and unto all men is important. And to show forth that that we care about our communities, that we care about our own people, and that we're able to, to um, allocate these funds and these goods to um, be used where they're most needed with, with the people who need them. Um, this isn't, you know, just a, a command for, for the churches back then, but for the churches now, if they're um, people in your church who, who need funds, who need money, think of them when you're putting um, money in the offering plate. Think of them when you're um, making a donation to the church. Think of the people in your community who can who you can help. It's it's a it's a great testimony to be able to give these things unto God so that um, God can give them back to His people and give them back as a testimony and as a witness for His good love and grace. So that's for our Second Corinthians chapter nine. Anyone have any questions, comments, or concerns over that? Alrighty. So, um, for the past few several weeks in in the Monarch Ministries podcast, um, we have been covering this subject of tools of the enemy, and we've spoken with several guests. Um, we started, even though it wasn't specifically part of that series, we started with pasta, um, with, with Ben on, on this subject of progressive Christianity and how it's eroding the, the principles and the ideas and the, um, doctrines that, that are put forth by the Bible, that are put forth by scripture. And we went on, we talked about, um, with, with Jacob, we talked about pornography, with, with Samantha, we talked about, um, atheism, and then with um, Esmeralda, we talked about um, Catholicism, and, and there are several other things that, that we could have hit on that, that the devil uses to 
um, distract and destroy Christians. And, um, you know, it, it's it, talking about those things can be very disheartening, can be very um, difficult to understand that, that even though all these things, all these tools, all these powerful institutions are put in place to war against us, all these things that seem insurmountable as, as humans, um, we've already won. And we've won because Christ has already won. We've won because we are conformed to the image of Christ through our salvation. But it's important to talk about these things. It's important to talk about these these tools that the enemy uses um, and to discuss what we can do about them. Because even though we've, we've won victory over these things, um, they're still plaguing the people of our earth who are unsaved. They're still plaguing the, the, the Christians of this earth who, who are put down and discouraged by these things. And we need to understand what we can do to um, have good Christian witness and have good victory on earth over these things and, and so that we can recognize and refute these things and use the victory and the power and the perfection that God has gifted us to continue to promote his kingdom and his glory and his salvation that he wants to show to these people. See, um, God tells us to, God, God commands us to be perfect. Go to um, Matthew chapter 5 for me. And we're going to start in verse 43. And we're going to read to the end of the chapter. Ye have heard that it has been said, Thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thine enemy. But I say unto you, Love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you, that ye may be the children of your Father which is in heaven. For he maketh his son to rise on the evil and on the good, and sendeth rain on the just and on the unjust. For if ye love them which love you, what reward have ye? Do not even the publicans the same? And if ye salute your brethren only, what do ye more than others? Do not even the publicans so? Be ye therefore perfect, even as your Father in heaven, which is in heaven, is perfect. See, Christ commands us to be perfect. God has gifted us the um, ability to be perfect. To be perfect and when it comes to these tools that the enemy use when it comes to um the um things that are that are used to distract and destroy christians christ explicitly tells us to to love these people who are, are promoting the things he tells us you know do, do even the publicans love one another do even the catholics love one another do even the atheists love one another do even the um people in the pornography industry love each other do even the progressive christians love each other do even the corrupt governments love each other, do even the, the plethora of other um, tools that the devil uses, even, even those people love and, and have a, an invested interest to work with each other. Um, you know, we, we ought to be different from them. We have to, to love them and show them um, the, the same compassion and love and glory that Christ gives to us. And then he follows that, that very difficult commandment up by telling us to be perfect. And this commandment to be this commandment from Christ to be perfect is proof to us that through Christ we have the ability to be perfect. Through his perfection, through this perfection, we're able to, to combat the ideas and the agendas of the world and to continue to promote the teachings and doctrines of Christ and, and, and promote Christianity and the love of God and, and the, the um, manifold grace of God and the, and the perfect love and, and, and witness of Christ. But... It raises the the question. It raises the um, the very difficult and and not complicated but um, misunderstood question. The it, it, it's very confusing 
if God commands us to be perfect, but we're we're falling short of the glory of God, how are we supposed to be perfect? Are are we not even though we're saved? Are we not still no good, filthy, dirty, rotten, mud sucking sinners? If the standard of perfection is to be perfect, then how is it that we're supposed to attain this goal? How how are we supposed to to reach this this goal of perfection that God has given to us? <clears throat> um, I invite you to 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 listen as I give you a few points on on how I think we can achieve this goal of perfection. And number one, perfection is something that can't be earned. Um, look at Romans 12, um, verses 1 and 2. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So if we can't work for our perfection, we can't um, <clears throat> we we have to understand where where this perfection comes from, and we have to know that perfection is is given to us by God. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That renewing of our mind comes from salvation, comes from the gift of God. Um. Again, verse verse one, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. You have to to give up our bodies and give up our minds and give up our, our souls to God, that He can come in and transform us and turn us from the wicked sinners that that we were before our salvation and continue this work in us to show us um what He what He wants us to. To, to show forth through him. He wants us to, to be this testimony for him. He wants us to do good works. He wants us to be separate from the world. He wants us to be transformed by his renewing of our mind to prove what his will is, what that perfect will of God is. And so, um, number one, we have to understand that we can't work for our perfection. This, this None, none of this that is um, listed in these in these verses here has anything to do with anything that we do, but it's the sacrifice that we make to allow God to establish the works of our hands. Psalm ninety seventeen says, "And let the beauty of the Lord our God be upon us, and establish thou the work of our hands upon us. Yea, the work of our hands establish thou it." The the sacrifice that we make is just us surrendering ourselves and allowing God to say, um, and 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 allowing us to say, here I am, God, send me, and allowing God to send us and work through us and, and give us his message that we can teach other people. And um, as we've talked about before, everyone is gifted in different ways and, and can give this message in different ways. But um, the the way he uses us, we're, if, if we allow ourselves to be perfect vessels of God and, and give up our bodies and give up um, <clears throat> our own agency and allow God to do what he wants to do through us rather than what our own flesh wants to do and we perform our reasonable service by submitting to God then his perfect will will be done um, and we will prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God if we allow him to establish the works of our hands number two um, the working of perfection defeats adversity and I like this this one turn to Acts chapter 5 if you would And we're going to start in, in verse 17. Then the high priest rose up, and all they that were with him, which is the sect of the Sadducees, were filled with indignation. 
and laid their hands on the apostles, and put them in the common prison. But the angel of the Lord by night opened the prison doors, and brought them forth, and said, Go stand, and speak in the temple of the people all the words of, his, of this life. And when they heard that, they entered into the temple early in the morning, and taught. But the high priest came, and they that were with him, and called the council together, and all the senate of the children of Israel, and sent to the prison to have them brought. But when the officers came and found them not in the prison, they returned and told, saying, The prison truly found we shut with all safety, and the keepers standing without before the doors. But when we had opened, we found no man within. Now when the high priest and the captain of the temple and the chief priests heard these things, they doubted of them whereunto we would, this would grow. Then came one and told them, saying, Behold, the men, w the men whom we put in prison are standing in the temple and teaching the people. Then went the captain with the officers and brought them without violence, for they feared the people lest they should have been stoned. And when they had brought them, they set them before the council, and the high priest asked them, saying, Did not we straightly command ye that ye should not teach in this name? And behold, ye have filled Jerusalem with your doctrine, and intend to bring this man's blood upon us? Then Peter and the other apostles answered, said, and said, We ought to obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers raised up Jesus, whom ye slew and hanged on a tree. Him hath God exalted with his right hand to be a prince and a savior, for to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are his witness of these things, and so is also the Holy Ghost, whom God hath given to them that obey him. When they had heard that, they were cut to the heart, and took counsel to slay him. Then, then stood there one in the council, a Pharisee named Gamaliel, a doctor of the law, had in reputation among all people, and commanded to put the apostles forth a little space, and said unto them, Ye men of Israel, Take heed to yourselves what ye intend to do as touching these men. For before these days rose up Thidius, boasting of himself to be somebody, whom a number of men, about four hundred, joined themselves, who was slain, and all as many as obeyed him were scattered and brought to naught. After this man rose up Judas of Galilee in the days of the taxing, and drew away much people after him. He also perished, and all, even as many obeyed him, were dispersed. And now I say unto you, refrain from these men, and let them alone. For if this counsel or this work be of men, it will come to naught. But if it be of God, ye cannot overthrow it, lest haply ye be found even to fight against God. And to him they agreed, and when they had called the apostles and beaten them, they commanded that they should not speak in the name of Jesus, and let them go. And they departed, and they departed from the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. And daily in the temple, in every house, they ceased not to teach and preach Jesus Christ. See, God is perfect. And as the apostles were teaching and preaching in the name of God, um, this perfection was, was reaching other people, and people were getting saved in, in, in droves. And, and the Spirit of God was moving heavily in, in Jerusalem and heavily in the city. And um, the apostles' message, their teachings, their preachings were, were very fervent and, and bold. And because of this, the, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, arrested them, and they, they put them in prison. And um, here, here we see adversity number number one in this story. They they were put in prison. They were sitting in prison, and the angel of the Lord comes and and lets them out. And so um, we we see first of all that, that that the prison can't hold the message of God. They they were let out, and they went and continued preaching in the temple. And their their first goal, their first idea, their first um, lesson, uh, their their first action out of the out of the prison was to go to the temple and, and preach the gospel to preach Christ and, and him crucified and the message of the gospel and um to continue in this message and, and, and continue Jesus' work. 
um, after he had left. And so the next day when, when you know, they, they're, they're sent for and they see that there's no one in the cell, um, they, the, the question is, is proposed, where, where are they? And, it, and they hear that they're in the temple preaching of God. And so they're brought back before, um, they're brought back before the the Sadducees. They're brought back, back before the High Council, and um, they they're asked, you know, didn't didn't God say, or didn't we say, um, not to preach in this name? And then verse twenty nine. Then Peter and the other apostles answered and said, We ought to obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers had raised Jesus up has raised up Jesus, whom he slew and hanged on a tree. Him hath God exalted with his right hand to be a prince and a savior, for to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are his witnesses of these things, and so is also the Holy Ghost, whom God hath given to them that obey him. And so um, Peter very boldly claims here, you know, I don't listen to you, I don't answer to you, um, and what you tell me is is unconsequential and it's interesting here that these are the religious leaders of the day these are the people who um you know had had everyone convinced that that they were in tune with god they had this perfect relationship with god and they had the 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 final authority on um matters of religion and and matters of of, of god and yet peter stands to them and, and tells them i don't listen to you i listen to god and he continues the perfect work that god that god send him to do and he continues to preach in the name of christ and and um fervently and boldly claims it before him how, how is he able to do this um second timothy 1 7 says for god hath not given us a spirit of fear but of power and of love and of sound mind and peter says the same thing here in verse 32 and we are his witnesses of these things and so is also the holy ghost whom god hath given to them that obey him um see the holy ghost when it is imparted to us after we become saved is a spirit power and of love and of a sound mind and something that <clears throat> um we're, we're able to you know if if we give ourselves if we surrender ourselves to god as, as we understand that we can't work for our perfection if we come to that understanding and give ourselves to god and allow him to establish the works of our hands um then when the holy spirit is dwelling in us <coughs> oh, sorry When the Holy Spirit dwells with us, and we give heed to Him, we we can approach boldly, and understand these these perfect um this this perfect message that God has given to us, and understand that the conviction and teaching of God's Spirit challenges um, any established power. Um, look at verse thirty four. Then stood there one in the council of a Pharisee named Gamaliel, a doctor of the law, had in reputation among all the people, and commanded to put the apostles forth a little space, and said unto them, Ye men of Israel, take heed to yourselves what ye intend to do as touching these men. For before these days rose up Thaddeus, boasting himself to be somebody, whom a number of men, about four hundred, joined themselves who was slain, and all, as many as obeyed him, were scattered and brought to naught. After this man rose up Judas of Galilee, in the days of the taxing, and drew away much people after him, he also perished in all, even as many as obeyed him were dispersed. And now I say unto you, refrain from these men, and let them alone, for if this counsel or this work be of men, it will come to naught. But if it be of God, he cannot overthrow it, lest he happily be found even to fight against God. Now, Gamaliel here says, he, he's going against the grain, going against what his, his Pharisee um, um, colleagues are are trying to going against their agenda 
and and he makes this interesting statement you know if if they're not of god if if this is just another crazy you know rebellion um then it won't come to anything then then this message won't come to anything yet here we are 2000 years later um speaking the the same message um preaching the same Christ Jesus and understanding the same um message that salvation is by grace through faith not out of ourselves and we we understand that we're God's workmanship and that we are commanded to be perfect through him and the apostles in this situation are also perfect verse 40 and to them they agreed and when they had called the apostles and beaten them they commanded that they should not speak in the name of Jesus and they let them go see even after um agreeing with with Gamaliel and agreeing with the idea that they can't fight against God they they waste no time in beating the apostles for preaching Christ and telling them not to preach Christ and yet what do the disciples do what do the apostles do even after receiving um, this this beating and this punishment they they are full of of joy verse 42 and daily in the temple and in every house they cease not to teach and preach Jesus Christ verse 41 and they departed from the presence of the council rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name see when we are filled with the Holy Spirit and when we understand what God has given to us and we understand the the consequences of our salvation and, and the love that, that God gives to us and we fully embrace and are in tune with the relationship that God gives to us and God has with us then um, as it says in Romans chapter 8 for I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us see God has this incredible comfort that he gives to us and we are able to to harness that and and through the comfort that he gives to us we're able to complete his commandments and do that what he says if we surrender to him and if we listen to, to what God has given to us see the conviction and teaching of God's Spirit again it challenges the established power and it challenges us ourselves and um, gives us the the love that that God that God wants us to have and so through our surrender to God through our surrender to what God has given to us we're able to go out and we're able to um, continue to um, be bold in in the message that God gives us because when we understand that it is God who gives us this boldness and it's God who establishes the work of our hands if we only surrender to him then he gives us um, he, he, he gives us this so that our joy may be full full and and we have no other goal and no other desire but to see people come to Christ and finally um, I, I want to bring to your attention that perfection in Christ frees us from our own sin uh, turn to Romans chapter 6 we'll read the first few verses what shall we say then shall we continue in sin that grace may abound God forbid how shall we then that are dead to sin live any longer therein know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized unto his death therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father even so we should also walk in newness of life for if we've been planted together in the likeness of his death we shall also be the like in the likeness of his resurrection knowing this that your old man is crucified with him that the body of sin might be destroyed that henceforth we should not serve sin for he that is dead is freed from sin and then flip over a couple pages to Romans chapter 8 um, start in verse 28 and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God to them who are called according to his purpose for whom he did foreknow he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son that he might be the firstborn among many brethren see 
what the apostle is, is is saying here is that once we accept salvation and once we are in Christ, once we are part of the body of Christ, once we have the Holy Spirit dwelling in us, we're dead to sin. And we're dead because, um, verse 5 in Romans 6, For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, and henceforth we should not serve sin. See, if, if we surrender ourselves to God, and we surrender our, our actions to God, and we allow him to establish the works of our hands, then the um, allowances that he'll give us are not going to be sinful. And if we give ear to our spirit um, that, that God gives to us, if we give ear to our Holy Spirit, then then sin will, will be unnatural to us. It'll be something that we despise. And we all strive for that. Now, that's not to say that, that when we become saved, we'll, we'll, we're sinless because we are still living in flesh. We are still um, part of our fleshly body. But as it's said there in in Romans chapter 8, we're conformed to the image of Christ. When when God looks upon us, he sees only the sacrifice that God gave to us. And he gives us this perfect relationship that we can dwell perfectly in him so that we can be a part of his family, so we can be a part of his fellowship and have this relationship with him. So when we are in tune with the Holy Spirit, all these, these sins that, that we're so enslaved to become um, foreign to us. And our desire is to serve Christ with all our heart, all our soul, all our mind, and all of our strength. And when we serve Christ with all of our strength, and when we allow him to establish the works of our hands, then the sins that we commit um, are forgiven when we confess them. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And when we're cleansed from all unrighteousness, we are living free from sin. See, verse 7, for he that is dead is freed from sin. Our old man is crucified with Christ. We are dead. Our flesh is is, is going towards um, death, certainly, but our spirit shall dwell forever with Christ. And we've been given this perfect and, and, and wonderful and beautiful opportunity to live forever with God and to have this, this wonderful relationship with Christ. Look at 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 8. Sorry, turns the wrong page. And above all things, have fervent charity among yourselves, for charity shall cover the multitude of sins. See, the other side of this is, um, while we've talked very, very in depth on on individually um, having this relationship with God, it's also very important to to have a relationship with with those who God loves, with with His church, with His people, and with other saints. See, fervent charity one with another covers the multitude of sins. And now when we are held accountable to each other, when we come to each other and, and we pray with each other and we pray for each other, then we have this this perfect um, relationship one with another. And we have this perfect relationship with God. God give, bestows love upon us and we are able to disperse this love onto one another and have this this perfect union in the body of Christ and be the true family that he desires us to be. And and when we are in this situation, then we desire for each other to succeed. When we when, when we desire for each other to succeed, iron sharpens iron, and we are able to to um, be good convictions to each other when, when we see ourselves falling into sin, when we see each other falling into sin, we can be good encouragement and good love. And this love and this encouragement will cover the multitude of sins, and we will no longer have a desire for this sin, but a desire to serve Christ. So, Christ commands us to be perfect. And we understand that, that we can't live a sinless life. We understand that that's not 
possible, but we also understand that we have been conformed to the image of Christ and that we have, that that sin is, is against our nature and that if we allow ourselves to be established by the Holy Spirit, if we strive for, for this perfect sacrifice to God, then we are indeed perfect on earth as we are in heaven. And so I implore you and I ask you to surrender yourselves to God and to be perfect as, as your Father, which is in heaven, is perfect. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you for this night and this evening that we can come spend together, Lord, with the devotional and and with this message, Lord. I pray that you would use these words and, and, and touch people and, and help them to, to come closer to you, Lord. I pray that you would help all of us to be perfect, help all of us to understand that your perfect Holy Spirit is dwelling inside of us and that you have a, a loving desire to minister to us and to convict us to do that which is right in your eyes, Lord. I pray that we would be better witnesses every day, and I pray that we would be um, more and more conformed to your image every day, Lord, in our own personal lives, Lord. I pray that you would convict us of our sin and help us to be good um, encouragement to, to each other, that we would be good accountability partners to each other, and that we would have this fervent charity so that we would be discouraged from sinning, Lord. I pray that you would be with us and fill us with your Holy Spirit. I pray that you would be with us with, with the church services tomorrow, um, and, and thank you for everything that you've given to us. Thank you for this wonderful devotional group, Lord, and I pray that you would continue to help it to grow and to prosper, and I pray that you would use us in a mighty way and help us to be good witnesses and to continue to, to reach out into our communities and our homes, Lord, and our churches and our neighborhoods to grow and, and to continue to preach your message, Lord. Thank you for everything you've done for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, thank you for listening to this episode of the Monarch Ministries podcast. As always, the link to join our devotional server and to be a part of devotionals like you heard tonight um, will be in the description below. Thank you for, for joining, and we will be happy to see you on the next episode. Uh, see you next week.